0: All right, well, go ahead, and if you have a Bible, you can turn to Exodus 33, but today uh, I want to talk a little bit about putting God in front rather than having him lead from behind. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the word of God. Lord, we ask that you'd just come, and as this teaching is happening, Lord, it's, it's not about my voice or my wisdom, Lord, but that your voice and your wisdom would just come into our hearts, that we'd all walk out of here, with, it. even if it's just one thing with one thing that you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. When Moses was tasked with taking the Israelites from the slavery and bondage of Egypt into the promised land, God took them in a very sort of oddball way, took them around Mount Sinai and around the deserts of Sinai. And as they're at the base of Mount Sinai, eventually God says, okay, it's time to move. It's time to get going and gather the people, You know, unpitch your tents, get all of your provisions before because I, you are going to lead them to the promised land. And probably one of the most profound conversations between a human being with God happens just as God said that. I want you to see it up here on the screen and I'll read it for you. Beginning in Exodus chapter 33, verse 15, it says, then moses said to god as soon as god said all right come on guys get going this is moses's response he says if your presence does not go with us then do not send us up from here translation god if you're not leading us I'm not going to take a step in any direction. God, until we see where you're going, we're not going to move anywhere. This ain't going to be me leading. This is going to be you leading and I'm following. Call me what you want. We all know who the real leader is. It's you and I am going to follow where you go. Verse 16, how will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What's he saying? He's saying, God, you know what? My leadership in us being your people, it's all for nothing if we're not following the witness that we are following you rather than just making this up as we go along. He says, what else will distinguish me and your people from all of the other people on the face of the earth? You know what Moses is saying? He's saying, you know what, God? We ain't stupid. We've watched earth. And everybody just kind of goes their own way and does their own thing we don't want to be that people if nothing else is said of us god we want to, we want it to be said these are a people who are led by god rather than going forward and asking god to catch up he says what's going to distinguish us from us and everybody else if we're not following your direction what a profound statement And the lord said to moses i will do the very thing you've asked Because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. And of course, for the ancient people, God was impersonal. God was far. God was over the canopy. God was not a God who knew your name. What's God saying? Moses, I know you, and I will be with you, and I'm going to do it. Exactly what you asked. I will lead you. Now follow me. Moses essentially said to God, God, I'll take these people to the promised land, but only if I can follow you. And this is the ultimate question I want to ask this morning. Is God in front of me leading or is God behind me catching me and cleaning up my messes? I want you to kind of ask that question maybe as the teaching going on. Am I following God and all the different nuances? And I know you may not follow perfect. I mean, you know, you know, there's all the nuances in trying to understand that. But just that your hardest purpose to follow God instead of so often we just kind of go forward in life, but we really want God to catch us when we fall. It's the juxtaposition of where we place God. Now, this summer while I was on sabbatical, I saw a movie. Well, I want you to know, uh, I didn't spend all three months, you know, on my sabbatical watching movies. Uh, just two of them. You know, the fact of the matter is, no, not, I mean, I don't get, I don't get a chance to actually watch uh, a lot. And so I took some time, you know, especially in some of the, the, the more hotter days to just kind of catch up a little bit. And I saw a movie that I thought I was not going to like. And, and as I watched it, I really began to think, uh, it's called Bruce Almighty anybody ever see that movie it's an old movie and i never saw it and 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 it's you know at first i was kind of horrified i mean it seems like it's the most sacrilegious movie i've ever seen in my life it's about a news reporter and i know news reporters it's about a news reporter who was kind of the really the one of the most selfish egotistical dudes on the planet he doesn't get his way so he gets mad at god Ding, ding, ding. Sound familiar? He doesn't get his way, so he gets mad at God. He has a breakdown on the job, so he gets fired. His girlfriend calls him on his extreme selfishness, and he gets mad at her. And finally, he tells God, I'm through following you, and I'm through praying to you. And honestly, this cycle sounds about 80% of the people I come in contact with. And so God, as Morgan Freeman... (laughs) challenges bruce to do better you know what you think you can lead you think you can step out in front and take the charge i'll tell you what not only am i going to let you do it i'm going to give you all my powers you can be god for a week or a month however long it was now for most of the movie it's almost predictable what's going to happen uh, all of our fantasies about having God's powers are really displayed in the movie. He, he takes on the bullies, right? And he beats up the bullies. He blows wind up a young woman's skirt. He humiliates his work rival. And eventually he orchestrates a big promotion, the promotion that he wants to get to go from news reporter to news anchor. Fittingly human, he uses all of God's powers for complete selfish. Gratification, And I almost turned it off. I was almost at the point where I was like, this is just, this is Hollywood and trying to figure out God again. And obviously they did a horrible job until I began to look and went, wait a minute. They're trying to show exactly what many of us might struggle with if we had this kind of power. They're trying to show the selfish struggle that we all have you know, if we were to have that sort of power. And so at the moment when I began to realize that, it's kind of popped into my head. You know what? Am I following God or am I asking God to follow me? Because what happens when we tell God to follow us is we inevitably build the kingdom of me. But when we follow God, we build the kingdom of us. God wants to build the kingdom of us. So often in our flesh, we gravitate toward building the kingdom of me. Well, Bruce seems to be gratifying all of his desires, and then right in the middle of it, his girlfriend leaves him, you know, he, his ego gets huge, I mean, he's, he's getting proud and arrogant and he ends up mistakenly kissing another woman, his girlfriend sees that, so she runs out and she breaks up with him and all of a sudden now Bruce is truly sad and he wants to use God's power to do the one thing that God told him he couldn't do and that is force somebody to love him, force somebody to like him, force somebody to do something they don't wanna do, force somebody against their own free will. And so this morning, my first video clip I wanna show from Bruce Almighty is that moment where Bruce is trying to force his ex-girlfriend to love him. Let's watch this. Wait! Uh, How do you feel now? you completely lost your mind? What, are you drunk? Yeah, I'm drunk. Drunk with power. <laughs> Love me. Love me. Love me. Love me! I did. That was a great one-liner, by the way. I did. And then walk away. Ooh, that was good, burn. <laughs> In the Gospel of Matthew, there was a wealthy young man who came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, how do I go to heaven? And Jesus didn't say, Worship me, sacrifice to me, da nah, da. Nah, nah, nah. Me, 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 me. But he did say one thing. He said, follow me put me in the driver's seat let me be your leader listen to my wisdom listen to my voice each and every day follow me because you see when we place god in front the reward is peace patience and flexibility. And I don't know if all of you have peace, patience and flexibility like in abundant numbers, then just let me preach this to myself. But I could use more peace. I could use more patience and I could be a lot more flexible. So, amen. 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 Putting God in front requires three surrenders. It's surrendering so that God can get in front and we come behind. And the first surrender is surrendering the then surrendering the past surrendering things that are that that happened in the past that are still leading and guiding us today and uh the 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 scripture i had first had was john 8 which is the woman who was caught in adultery and i had written something really nice until i went on the internet and i saw a a woman's blog who who was the who was a woman who was caught in adultery and God used it, got a hold of her heart, and she just made a complete U-turn and, and repentance. And, and this is what she wrote in the wake of that. And I just want to read what she wrote because she said it so well. So remember, she, the woman's caught in adultery, all the men are ready to stone her, and Jesus says, whoever is without sin, be the first one to cast the stones. Well, in an honest moment, rare for men, but an honest moment, they all drop their rocks because they realize they have sin too they're not qualified to be this young lady's judge the fact of the matter is, is there is only one qualified to be our judge and that's jesus so after they're all gone he comes over and he stood up and he says to the woman well where are your accusers in john chapter 8 verse 10 and 11 didn't even one of them condemn you and she says no and jesus said then neither do i condemn you but go and sin no more. This is what the woman on the internet wrote. She said, condemnation. Oh, the preferred commodity of Satan. One taste of it and following God can become a distant memory. Satan will repeat the adulterous woman's scenario as often as you permit him to. Marching you through the city streets. Dragging your name through the mud. Pushing you into the center of the crowd with a megaphone. Megaphoning your sin all with one purpose and the purpose is this to put you in spiritual cryogenic freeze so that your sin becomes all that you experience spiritually. I don't know when I wrote that that just leaped off the page for some of us. The only thing we experience spiritually is the conviction of our sin or or confessing our sin one time I was praying with somebody and and they spent about 15 minutes confessing sin i finally had to say stop talking why because you're already forgiven you can take 15 seconds to reaffirm that jesus has forgiven all your sin and then take the next 15 minutes to pray for renewal in your heart he was like oh that's a good idea i don't have to spend 15 no it's all under the cross But sometimes when we have stuff from the past, sin or shame or unforgiveness, what begins to happen is this. It begins to become our leader. And if you look real closely, you can almost begin to see, wow, this person's being led by shame. This person's being led by bitterness. This person's being led by anger. This person's being led by addiction. This person's being led by, it's not that they're leading or that they're calling the shit. It's that all of these things can begin to lead us in order to put God back in front. A lot of times we have to see, is there anything from the past that is leading us so that we don't make our decisions through that particular framework. Is the pain of, the, of a divorce uh, leading you? Is the bitterness over a bad financial deal leading you? Is a, 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 a health thing you? You know, all these things, they, they can take over and want to lead us and often lead us into extremely unhealthy things. She writes, whatever sin or shame of the past that we have not given to God, that is what is truly leading us. Do you have unforgiveness? Then that is what is leading you. Do you have shame? Then trust me, shame is leading and guiding you through life. Take it from a woman who was the woman caught in adultery. Shame will lead and guide you throughout your life while God takes the back seat. And she says, I wonder if this passage is not just about the woman caught in adultery, but also the men caught in judgment and criticism. They were led as much by their judgmental heart as the woman by her shame. Jesus was not leading either of them. Perhaps Jesus wants to step in front on both sides of the aisle, asking us to follow him and not the past. Jesus declares that sin and shame will not have the last word for Jesus acted on our behalf. How? Well, First he stooped. Jesus stooped low enough to sleep in a manger. Jesus stooped low enough to work in the carpentry shop. Jesus stooped low enough to sleep in the fishing boat. Jesus stooped low enough to rub shoulders with crooks and lepers and prostitutes. Jesus stooped low enough to take every molecule of our sin and guzzle it into his body and die for it. Jesus stooped low enough to be on, to be put on that slab of death and sealed in Joseph's tomb. But then then Jesus stood. The stone blew away and Jesus stood up and looked Satan in the eyes and said, "You are beaten." And then he stood up for the woman, silenced her as accusers, and he says that he will do the same for us. In Romans chapter 8, verse 34, it says that Jesus is in the very presence of God at this moment, standing up for us. As I began to think about this, I said to myself, and this is the God who I have a problem following? And this is the God who I argue with over direction for my life? And this is the God that I wrestle with as to who's going to be first? He said, follow me. He said, follow me. So I tell you and tell everybody, I want to follow Jesus without fear, without shame, And without the anchors of my past. I am the woman. I am the woman caught in adultery. And no stones can touch me. For the stones are behind me. And Jesus is in front of me. Amen. Sometimes it's surrendering the past. In order to put God back in the driver's seat. Sometimes it's surrendering the present surrendering the now and a lot of times that has to do with repentance now repentance is one of those words they tell pastors don't ever say it in church because if you say it in church everybody will get up walk out and leave but here's the thing i think you know what repentance is a beautiful word we just don't know what it means do you know what repentance is it's very simple it's when you change your mind so much it changes you that's repentance when God changes your heart so much it changes you this is how I see marriages on the brink of divorce come back together repentance there was a changing of the mind so much they were changed in the process this is how I see careers saved when people are on the brink of getting fired there's a repentance, a changing of the mind so much that it changes you. Remember Peter? We talked about him a couple weeks ago. Peter spent the last two weeks of Jesus' life trying to talk him out of going to the cross. And Jesus at one point just says, Peter, just stop talking. Just stop. Be quiet. You don't know what you're saying. Get behind me. Right? Right? He called him another word, but we wanted to go in there. You know, Get behind me, right? What's Jesus saying? You said you would follow me, now let me lead. Get behind me, Peter, because if I don't do this, you have no hope. Well, Peter couldn't keep his mouth shut, kept talking about how he would never deny Christ. Then he denies Christ three times on his trial. Peter is sad, dejected, depressed. And what does he do? He goes back to his old job. And the resurrected Jesus calls him from the fishing boat. Stands Peter, looks him dead in the eyes. The same stare I believe he gave Satan when he said, you are beaten, he looked directly in the Peter and said, you are forgiven. And what did Peter do? He repented. He changed his mind so much It changed him. God changed his mind so much that he was changed through the process. Not 50 days later, he was standing up and defending Jesus in front of the same men who crucified him. That's change. Amen? Third thing is this. Surrendering the future. Surrendering the new, which requires obedience. In James chapter 4, it's a little odd paragraph. Not a lot of people find this one. But this one's gold. Check this out. He says in verse 13, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow, we'll go to this city, we'll move to that city, we'll spend a year there, carry on business, make money. Now there's nothing wrong with making money. That's not the point of the passage. James says, "Why? You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. Our lives were just a mist that's here today and gone tomorrow. He says, instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will. Translation, when you put God in front, if that's where God is leading, then we will do this and we will do that. But so often we can struggle with, oh, yeah, I'm, I just feel like I'm going to go here and do this. And here's the question I often ask, uh, often ask people Well, what's God saying? I don't know. I don't know. Is that what God is even like? I mean can you really does he really say stuff like that like you don't want me to move to Hawaii you know I mean is that is God say stuff like that? Believe it or not he does you know And so a lot of times we can just almost be like you know and here's the thing sometimes we just gotta stop just stop That's what I heard for three months from God Tom just stop and put me back in front. And a lot of times, in the quietness and in the silence, we can feel those little nudges, those little nudges that guide us exactly where we are to go. I was born in Detroit. I would not have picked that town. I moved to Seattle. I did pick that town. I moved from Seattle to Federal Way. I would not have picked that town. At the time, I moved from Federal Way to Tacoma. Then I would not pick that town. Now I would. From Tacoma to Bakersfield. I love this town. <laughs> Keep my nose from going. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, all these little journeys. Did I ever live in Hawaii? No. Did I ever live in some of the places I see in magazines I would have loved to have gone? Yeah, no. But I'll tell you this. Being led around from place to place as God leaves. Two words. No regrets. No regrets. There's peace in being in the center of God's will. Even if he moves you to Barstow. No offense. Anybody from Barstow, you know. (laughs) Trona! (laughs) So finally... As we get to our story here, uh, the movie keeps going and going, and Bruce finally has that moment where I was like, okay, it's a good movie. You know, it wasn't a good movie, now it has officially become a good movie because you sort of see the transformation where Bruce stops leading from God from behind and puts God in front. Let's watch the second clip. You win! I'm done. Please, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I don't want to be done. I want you to decide what's right for me. I surrender to your will. Ah. Uh. Uh. Huh? kneel down in the middle of a highway and live to talk about it, son. But why? Why now? Bruce, you have the divine spark. You have the gift for bringing joy and laughter to the world. I know. I created you. Quit bragging. <laughs> See? That's, that's what I'm talking about. That's the spark. you want me to do? I want you to pray, son. Go ahead. What do you really care about? Grace. Grace. You want her back? Good. (laughs) I'm gonna get right on it. Uh, It Didn't feel very good. Uh, Got a rhythm. All right, I got a pulse. All right, let's let him up. Yeah, get the backboard and brace. Bruce? Bruce? Welcome back. You're lucky to be alive, son. Someone up there must like you. You see the switch. The switch from, you know, sort of being out in front with God trailing behind to all of a sudden placing God in front and letting Him lead. And this morning, I just want to leave you with kind of three words to take home that will hopefully help in this process. And the first word is release. God cannot be in front when you have things like unforgiveness, anger, bitterness, shame, um, just all those voices in your head, they'll be leading. And it's hard to put God in front when all of those are there. Every relationship, every relationship on earth requires forgiveness. It is one of the fundamental keys to being in a relationship at one point You're going to have to walk through an area of forgiveness some of your best friends Your parents your children your marriage all relationships depend upon it. There has to be forgiveness at at the point at which you cut forgiveness off The relationship will just die a slow death after that every relationship depends upon forgiveness so release any unforgiveness, bitterness, shame, all of those things that just keep us swirling in that sort of negative and, and, and painful state. Release that up to God and then put him back in front. Number two, reflect. Just like God kept saying to me for the last three months, Tom, stop talking, stop cleaning, stop working, stop just stop for a second. And be with me. You see, God will not move you on to the new until you've accomplished the now. And I had to realize that there were things in the now that God wanted me to put a period at the end of that sentence. And then he moves you into the new. And then the last thing is repentance. Change your mind so much that it changes you. When God has to follow us, we live with a subconscious anxiety. We're kind of like, you know what, something bad could really happen, and it could sink me, and I could never get up. If you start feeling that way and start saying that, like, boy, I'm really afraid of the future. I don't know what's around the corner, and I think it's just, you know, I mean, let's face it, you know, we could be sunk tomorrow. Chances are this. God's not in front. You're in front. And God's catching you from behind. When God is front, we live with an unexplainable peace. The economy may tank, We'll be okay. Our marriage may struggle. We'll be okay. Our finances may be slim. We'll be okay. We may face a health challenge. We'll be okay. There's something about that because you know God is leading and you're following. And there's an unexplainable peace that comes Where we go, where God is going. This morning, we are all Moseses trying to find our promised land. And the question remains, is God in front of you leading or behind you catching? Keep God in front, and I promise you, you may have trouble, but you will have peace. And you know what else? You'll be a winner. You'll be a winner. When I was up at camp, you know what those kids all told me? When I said, how can I pray for you? They'd say, Pastor Tom, I just don't want to be a loser. I was big on them. I don't want to be a loser in friendships. I don't want to be a loser in my school. I don't want to be a loser. I don't want to be a loser. You know what? You put God in front, and you will be a winner every time. In fact, you cannot lose when you are going where he is guiding. Amen? Amen. So no matter what the scoreboard says, Jesus has overcome the world. This morning, as uh, as we just gather here, my goal is not to bring any condemnation. Uh, if you were to say, well, Pastor Tom, is," we assume God's leading you. You know what? It's a daily thing for me. I can wake up just like anybody else and make my schedule and plot my course. And you know what? There's nothing inherently wrong with that. It's just when I fail to check in and say, Lord, am I going where you're going? Am I am I in the center of your will? Am I on, on the path you have for me? To, or, or, or do I do I tell you to put on the brakes and switch drivers and all of a sudden I got the wheel? You know, it's just that simple little thing. God, it all comes back to what Moses said. God, I don't want to take another step unless you go before us. And in the book of Exodus, God said. My presence shall go before you and my glory will be your rear guard. Not only does God lead you, but he protects your behind. It's God's way of saying, I got your six. I can't think of any better place to live life from, to have peace, to be a winner, to make it. And at the end of our lives, to be able to say those two words, no regrets no regrets so this morning i'd like you to just bow your heads close your eyes and maybe allow a moment for the holy spirit to just show is there an area and again it's not a blanket thing you may be allowing god to lead in some areas and not in others the fullest blessing comes when we just surrender and allow god to lead in all so this morning ask the holy spirit are there any areas where I'm I'm not allowing you to lead? Because if you lead, it's going to be awesome. If I lead, I could ruin everything. Second question. Probably one of the most important thing is God can't lead until we come to him in relationship. A lot of us we make a religion out of Jesus. We still think we have to do something to be forgiven. We have to do something to go to heaven. We have to do something to be a child of God. We got to do so we got to do all these things and and Jesus says nothing you can do. I've already done it on the cross. It's that crossing over from being someone who thinks about Jesus, someone who thinks they may be a Christian, someone who thinks they may be going to heaven to someone who says, "You know what? I I love God. I love Jesus. I'm forgiven." I'm going where he is, and I will never be perfect to my dying breath, but I will be forgiven. And if that's you, whether it's for the first time, or you just like to rededicate your heart to the Lord this morning, I'd like you to look up at me right now and just signify that. Amen. 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 Lots of, you know, let's just all praise together. Say, Lord Jesus, today I put you in front. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sins. I make you my Lord and Savior. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with peace. In Jesus' name, amen.